your Bibles this morning, if you would please, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And I want to assure you I'm taking into account the extra things we've done already. Amen. But we want to take a few minutes at least. Amen. To put some, put some word in you. Sheep need to eat. Pastors need to feed. Shepherds. And uh, so let's, uh, let's do that, praise God. Father, we come before you today and we, we, we are so holding fast to your word. We're so grateful to have a Bible. We're so grateful that we have a handbook. We're so grateful that, God, you wrote down the future and how events would unfold so that we could be assured that when we see these things that we don't have to be troubled, but that instead we could lift up our heads and know that our redemption's getting closer and closer. And so, Father, I just so thank you for utterance to be given unto me in this moment. Use me, Father God, as an instrument. Give me the tongue of the wise and the learned that I could speak a word of truth and encouragement to him who might be weary. Father, I thank you that the people, they have a part right now. Their job is to pull on the gift and to have an open heart and an active mind to grab hold and receive. We thank you, Father God, that at the end, You'll be glorified. The people will be blessed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Again, I said, and we said, Amen. All right, so Romans chapter 3. And again, just endeavoring service by service to be led by the Spirit. That's my heart. Uh, I want God to have His way. Uh, He knows you better than I do. He's with you all the time. I'm not. And so I woke up immediately yesterday with a doctrinal type message or thought or teaching on my heart and it just seemed to just be the flow and dominate and so I'm going to teach us today for a few minutes about and the title is who's justified Mm -hmm. who's justified and when I say justified I don't mean who's justified in our own mind the 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 epic question of the hour and the age is who's justified in the eyes of God And we need to be equipped. One of the things that disturbs me about the modern church is the neglect of emphasis on doctrinal teaching. That that so many of our messages in church today is self-help focused. Ten steps to a better this and five steps to a better this and three, three ingredients to the recipe of, you know, kids that won't drive you crazy and... You know, and, and we teach on family and we, we teach on practical things. But Christians must know uh, these eternal doctrines that eternities for people swing on. And, and we, we, we want to make sure that we're grounded in truth so that we know what's right. And how, do, how does one have standing with God? Who doesn't have standing with God? What does the Bible say? Amen? And so we, we want to just go with this. This is what we're going to go with for this morning. Amen? So I want to read a longer passage than I would normally read. So just hang with me. We're in Romans chapter 3. And I want to begin reading in verse number 9. And it says, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise or in no way. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles. Now, if you don't know... To say Jew and Gentile encompasses every human. Because if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. 
<laughs> Gentile means non-Jewish. Okay? All right. Both Jews and Gentiles, that they are what? They are all under sin. So this is the condition of every human, lest they have received God's remedy. Amen? Or His answer. Verse 10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So among all the Jews, among all the Gentiles, which is everybody, how many is righteous? None is righteous. Well, that's not fair. I don't believe that. That's not right. Sweetheart, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Which is God's written expression of His will to man. You can do with it what you will. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They are all, notice the language is all-encompassing. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. Now that might challenge people in their thinking and you're, you know, but this is what the Bible says. There is none that does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. You know what a sepulcher is? It's a grave. Stinky place. Right? With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what, the, what, so, what things soever the law says, talking about the law of Moses, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So let me stop there for a moment. You understand, what is he saying? No one's going to receive the gospel if they don't first know and accept the reality of their condition in the eyes of God. The term gospel, as you know, means good news. That's what it means, the good news. Right, Reverend Kamal? You call it the good news a lot, and it is. It's good news. But how come so the masses are so flippant with what we call the good news? They're so dismissive of it. They ignore it. They have discounted it. They act like it's not relevant for them. Anyone who would turn and, and make light of and dismiss the good news, which is the message of the gospel, right? What we call the gospel. It's a message of good news from God. Is because they either don't know or they have not accepted the truth of their human condition in the eyes of the one who created them. So what Paul has outlined here in Romans chapter 3 so far is how God sees every human being without Him. There's nobody righteous. There's nobody justified. There's nobody qualified. There is none that doeth good. Everything that comes out of them is like a stinky grave. None of them have a heart after God. And all stand guilty before God. 
God is the supreme judge. And all of humanity stands guilty before Him. How did this happen? Why why is this? Well, we're going to come back to Romans 3, but just look over to Romans chapter 5. If you really want to uh, become a theologian on this and really get the full picture, just read the book of Romans. Just read the book of Romans. And Paul, he he just makes a masterful case, scripturally, before God, on the condition of man, how they got there, and what the remedy is if man is to have any hope. Now, when you join the church, we go over a section in the presentation called the Tenets of Faith. And in the Tenets of Faith, one of the things we outline is the depravity of all mankind apart from God's salvation. And our belief in what is called original sin. Amen? You know that all humans, and that's you before Jesus, okay? All humans are guilty before God simply because they are a descendant of Adam. That is where our guilt before God comes from. Amen. And and that may seem different to you, but that's what the Bible says. Amen. So let's look at this. Let Let me locate this. Romans chapter 5, and let's begin in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, who's the one man? Adam. By one man, sin entered the world. Amen? Now, Adam's not the author of sin. Lucifer is. But Adam was the gatekeeper. And Adam and Eve are responsible. They were where sin gained entrance to taint and corrupt the whole human family. I don't know that if this is true. I have no reason to doubt it. You could look it up for yourselves. But with the advancements in DNA research and genealogy, somebody apparently has proven out there that humans go all the way back to one couple. Amen. You know, if you didn't know it, evolution is a big, fat lie. And a big, fat falsehood. God created Adam, the first man. God created Eve, the first woman. And we all came from Him. We all came from Him. We white people, we black people. And everybody in between, we all came from Him. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that we all came from one blood. We all bleed red, my brother brother and sister. (laughs) Amen. And so here we see that by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death, notice this statement here, it's it's huge. Death passed upon all men. Now notice this, and all have sinned. Now, the all have sinned, that's not talking about your personal sin, which you have surely committed. The Bible says in 1 John, he that says he has no sin is a liar (laughs) and has no truth in them. Amen. But this is not talking about your personal sin. Before you and I were ever born, we were counted guilty in the mind of God because we all sinned in Adam. How is that possible? Well, 
Do you know that the Bible says that Aaron, the first Levite, paid tithes in Melchizedek, a man he never met? Paid tithes to Melchizedek, a man he never met? And it says he paid tithes being in the loins of Abraham. So he was there, right, in the loins of his ancestor Abraham who paid tithes to his high priest. Now see, this is how God thinks about things. All the human family was rendered guilty before God from the moment of Adam's sin. Because Adam passed through the process of reproduction and natural propagation, the sin nature to all of his descendants. Now we know this is true. You wouldn't need a Bible to know this is true. The world has a sin problem. Humanity has a sin problem. And you don't, we would still have a sin problem, Deacon Russell, if we didn't have a Bible. The Bible didn't create the problem of sin. It just tells you about it. How many of you parents out here, you could testify to this. You didn't have to teach your children to lie or to do wrong. You didn't have to teach them. You didn't have to teach them to do wrong. No, but no parents got to teach their children to do wrong. No, what do we have to do? We have to teach them and train them to do right. No, you tell the truth. You be respectful. You do what I say. <laughs> it's your job to teach them. It's your job to train them and to curb that sin. And the Bible says the rod of discipline. The rod of discipline is how you, is how you drive rebellion out of a child. I don't mean abuse them and hurt them, but I mean spank them. Don't drink that liberal Kool-Aid out there. The Bible's correct. Loving, properly executed corporal punishment is the way to keep your kids off drugs, amen, out of jail, respectful. Okay, you don't, you just try time out and we'll see how that goes. Now, I didn't, we didn't have to spank our kids very much. That wasn't a culture in our home. But when those few instances where they needed a good whack on the bottom, we gave it to them. Amen. Praise God. You know, parents, you've got to parent these kids. They're not just going to float and land, you know, and, and be good people. Why? It goes back to original sin. Humanity is tainted. Humanity has been corrupted from Genesis chapter 3, about 5,000, 4,500, whenever that was, years ago. And every human born, born into the earth is starts guilty before God. <laughs> That's just, it is. Now look at verse, uh, let's see. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned. Look, death reigned over the whole human race, just one, one sin. Amen. Then it goes on, talks about much more, talking about the second Adam. Look at verse 18, the first phrase. Therefore, as by the one offense, by the one offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. You say, well, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. And, and I, don't, I don't accept that. Well, that's what the Bible says. But listen, here's, here's the good thing about it. The same thing that sold all of you, one man sold all of us out, 
The reverse is also true. One man. One man. One man got us out. One man makes a way of escape. See, in Adam, the Bible says all died. But in Christ, all shall be made alive. So before you reject that negative side, that's not fair. Listen, do you want to? The only way to be justified in the eyes of God, amen, is to have justification and righteousness imputed to you just like sin was imputed to you. That instead of a sin nature being imputed, God imputes eternal life. God imputes righteousness. God declares you justified. And apart from that, I have to kind of condense because of time. Apart from that, all, we're, all in, we're all on a sinking ship. Are you with me? So in the Bible, the New Testament teaches several um, aspects of what it means to be made right with God. What justification is talking about is the legal side. Amen? You know, everything God did was legal. Satan's a thief. He doesn't care anything about legal. But God's got to do things legally. So let me give you this. The word justification means to pronounce or to declare one righteous. To pronounce or to declare righteous. To accept or treat as righteous. Doesn't mean you are. But someone has declared you to be. And then after they declared you to be that, they start treating you like you're that. And it's on a legal basis. And you ought to be glad about it. Amen. So for instance, every president has the constitutional power to pardon. Their guilt or innocence at that point is mute. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what they did. So, for instance, the latest pardon I know, President Trump uh, pardoned General Mike, Michael Flynn. I think that's his first name. Right? And he, he was in, a, in the midst of a trial. All of that's over. The moment the president declared, with his constitutional authority, the moment he declared General Flynn pardoned, society will now treat him. They have to treat him like that. In the eyes of the law... It doesn't matter what people's opinions are, and it doesn't matter if he did it or didn't. It doesn't matter. Guilt is mute. What we think is mute. People's opinions are canceled. Once the one in authority declared him pardoned, he is pardoned. And in the eyes of all the authority of the government, there is no more uh, court hearing. There is no more threat of jail. There is no more none. Because someone in authority pardoned him and declared him so what justification is is take looking upon humanity and based on something i haven't told you yet god who is the supreme judge of the universe declared someone righteous and just whether they are or not is not the point whether they act like it or not is not the point Ooh, aren't you glad? This is where, you see, but if we don't, if people don't see, they are a slave to sin, a slave to the devil. They are doomed because of Adam's sin. They are depraved. They are lost. They are hopeless. 
They are living under the hand of divine judgment of Almighty God. And until they see that, and all you have to do is ask that person. No, you say, I'm a good person. All you have to do is think of the Ten Commandments and ask them, have you ever told a lie, even a little white lie? They're going to say yes if they're honest. That means they broke the law. That means you're a liar. Means in the eyes of God, you're damned. Have you ever looked upon a man or woman to lust after them even a little bit? If they're honest, they're going to say yes. Amen. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you, even a pen at the office at work and took it home? Well, then what does that make you? A thief. So, okay, let's see. You're a thief. You're a liar. And you're an adulterer and a fornicator. See, people have to see. This is why God gave the law. He didn't give people the law so they could keep the law. They're bound by sin. They can't keep the law. But God had to outline His standard so that they could see the bad news. Because the only way the gospel is going to be good news is if you first accept the bad news. Which is, you're on your way to hell, baby. You are guilty before God. You are a sinner sure enough. You're a descendant of Adam. And you're going to blow hell wide open. You're a liar in the eyes of God. You're a deceiver in the eyes of God. You're a sinner in the eyes of God. And the penalty is death. See, once they see that, and if they will accept that, and then you tell them the good news, people are going to bite at that bait. People are going to, right? If they're smart, they're going to go, oh, thank God, I want this Jesus right now. But we can't just tell everybody the fluff and everybody's okay and just pet everybody. And that's what pastors want to do. They don't want to make anybody nervous. They want people to come back. They want to fill their chairs. No, I, I want to fill my chairs, but I want, I want you to be right with God. Amen. And I want you to help uh, be trained to help others know yes. how to know whether they're right with God or not. Amen. The Bible says in another place that no flesh is justified in the eyes of God. No one, none. There is none righteous. No, not one. So the word righteous, again, or, or excuse me, justification means to pronounce or to declare righteous and then to accept, accept or treat as righteous. Okay? It is a judicial term. It is a legal term. It has nothing to do with whether you are that or not in your behavior. It's what has been declared from a place of authority in a legal setting in the eyes of heaven. So the word also means to regard as or to treat as. So the one that is justified, God treats as justified. So when you come into his throne room, if you have been, and I haven't told you how yet, if you have been justified in the eyes of God, when you come into His presence, He will treat you that way. He's going to look at the law book and He's going to treat you legally. Now, the one who's, if the one who got pardoned, if they really did it, they should just not tell anybody, right? They should just, if they're pardoned, it doesn't matter whether I did it or I didn't do it. In the eyes of the law. Well, I can't go. I can't go to God and get healing because I was just. I was just. I've just been rotten sinner. If you have been declared righteous when you come before Him, He's going to treat you that way. Amen. 
See, this news gets gooder and gooder the more you know. Amen. So again, the word, I just want to give you a definition of the word. Justify means to account. It means to judge. It means to declare. It means to decide. It means to treat as worthy. So the great revivalist George Whitfield, this is what he said about justification. It is, he said that to be justified is to be viewed upon by God as having your sins forgiven and looked on by God as if you had never offended Him at all. Come on. Hallelujah. If you know yourself, you should start getting happy. The one who is justified in the eyes of God is viewed by God as having your sins forgiven and God looks at the one He's justified as if He had never offended Him at all. Amen. So just don't tell Him when you go into the throne room. Don't try to remind Him. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Accept the legal rendering. This is the way I like to think about justified. Because uh, I'm kind of a simple person. Justified means just as if I died. That's what the word justified means. Just as if I died. Okay, so in the eyes of God, and he gets to set up the rules. He's God. I'm sorry. He's just God. He gets to set up the rules, how this works. He said the wages of sin is death. That's what he said. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, right? Okay. And he can't be just. He can't just let us off the hook and still be just. A just judge. Right? Amen. So, I either have to die or someone has to die for me. Well, that's exactly what happened. Someone died for me. So, in the eyes of God, God treats me just as if I died. Meaning, penalty is not to be discussed. Penalty doesn't matter. Penalty is off the table. Because God's going to treat me just as if I did die for my sins. He just inserted a substitute. <laughs> this is what justification means. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, this happens to us at the new birth. This is when in your individual case, God declares you justified in His sight. But see, that justification, that declaration doesn't make Rex a righteous person morally. It's a legal declaration. But what God does is at that same moment, He imparts to Rex eternal life. The Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in Sarah's spirit. And now she can begin to live a righteous and holy life. But that has nothing to do with justification. Justification is a legal declaration over one's life. And every human must have it to get to heaven. Every human. Has God, has the high court of heaven declared over your case justified or condemned? What label do you have on your manila folder in heaven? Now, let's go to Galatians chapter 2. Can you give me another minute or two? Let me just go to Galatians chapter 2 and let me show you what a lot of people are trying to do 
to get this justification in the eyes of God. Galatians chapter 2. <clears throat> y'all all right? Y'all are, y'all are pulling on me good. You're doing good. Verse 16 says, Knowing that a man, Galatians 2.16, Knowing that a man means a person, is what? Not justified by the works of the law. Or you could just say by works. Here, that's what a lot of people are trying to do. That's what they think. Wherever they got it, doesn't matter. That mentality. Are you going to go to heaven when you die? You know, I think so. I, I do, preacher. I, I think so. I'm, I, I really try. I believe God's, God's a God of love. And I'm really trying to be a good person. The Bible says no one is righteous. No one will be justified in the eyes of God through works. You can't, you can't undo what you are in Adam through good behavior. It's not enough to fix it. You have to have this legal justification. Since all are sinners in Adam, someone must die to pay for that. That's the point. And you can't undo that by, you can't go to the, you know, you go to the judge who's got integrity and you have, you got all the evidence, you got DNA, you got witnesses, you, you, you did it. You killed someone in cold blood. And in that state, you're sentenced to death. That's the law. You cannot go before the judge and say, but you know, yes, I did it, judge. But since that day, I have been really trying to be a good person. That's not going to fly. The law says for this crime, you must be put to death. You see what I mean? So baking brownies and taking them to the office, that doesn't fix it. Trying to obey the laws of the land, that's a good thing, but that doesn't fix it. That doesn't get you declared righteous legally. You've got no pass to heaven. You understand that? Well, you understand it, but they don't out there. They don't. Millions of them think that God's a God of love and mercy. And they know, they know, God, they know that God knows that they're not perfect. But they believe that, you know, they're trying. And millions of people are burning and screaming in the flames of Hades today who thought that. You have to be declared righteous. And the only thing God's going to look at, He's not going to look at behavior. He's going to look at who died. Did someone die to pay the price for what you did? And what you are because you're a human in Adam. Did somebody die for Dale? Did Dale die? If Dale died, well, that's good. The meaning the penalty's paid, but he won't be here because he died. Or did someone qualified die for Dale? That's the, only, that's the only question. And every human's facing this. And the clock's ticking on every human heartbeat. Well, my, you mean my uncle? Yeah, your uncle. You mean Papa? Yeah, Papa. Clock's ticking for Papa. You mean Auntie May? Yeah, Auntie May could die and go to hell if she doesn't die. Or so, if she doesn't take the only gift that qualifies. It doesn't matter how good her green beans are. 
It doesn't matter how she it doesn't matter how sweet she is to you at Christmas. It don't matter. Are y'all with me in this? This is serious stuff. Every man needs a savior. One theologian says the pollution of sin is a fact. All you have to do is be honest and look at your own life. Let me look at mine. Sin is sinful. And it bears its ugly stain on every soul. So it is vitally important that we continue to know ourselves and to spread the knowledge to others what humans are facing in life. Are you with me? We're almost done here. The result of Adam's sin, notice the moment Adam sinned, he ran from God. So see, there is something in every human sinner. There's a bent in them. They, want to, they, don't want, they don't want to be around God. They don't want to be around God. They have a propensity to run away from God and the things of God and things that are godly. They have a bent in them to want to run toward evil and to do evil things. See, the nature of a human has to be changed by the new birth. We talked about that last week. And so in the eyes of God, there's this theological term means depraved or depravity. This is the result. Adam is lost and all of his seed are lost. And so they are depraved. The word depraved means this. It means they are tainted. Something that's depraved is tainted, corrupted, wicked, destitute of holiness. And I like this one, made bad. Sin made the human race bad in the eyes of God. And that's, that's, that's man's condition. And as we read in Galatians chapter 2, uh, no, flat, no, no man is justified in the eyes of God through works. No man. Are you still there in Galatians? Let's just read on. But let's finish. How, how is someone justified in the eyes of God? Look at this. But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we, Paul's saying, we're in this boat. We're apostles, we're ministers, we're holy men. But we're not justified by God because we're preachers. I'm not justified by God, in God's eyes because I'm a preacher. I'm not justified in the eyes of God for any other reason except for you. With you. I'm in the same boat with you. We, what did we do? We have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So the only people that have this legal declaration, I declare you righteous, I declare you right with me, saith God, I, I render you legally justified in my sight, the only people that have that declaration are people who have exercised faith in Jesus Christ and have it today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Works won't get you there. Being a good person won't get you there. You know what evolution's told, trying to, the lie it's trying to tell is that humanity started at the very bottom. At the very bottom. But slowly, with much time and great struggle, we are progressive. 
we are progressing towards perfection. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. Man started at the very top, right with God, holy, amen, no sin, perfect in the eyes of God, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and then fell all the way to the bottom. And that's where man is today without Jesus. Amen. Really, the only, you talk about, what about all the advancements? Really, if you study human history, you'll find that all of the, the, the inventions that has blessed mankind came out of populations that had received eternal life. Humans are humans everywhere. But you know what? There is no great uh, innovation coming out of India or China or a lot of the other pagan nations in the world. You want to know why? They don't have eternal life. They have to copy. They have to import knowledge. They have to import creativity. They have to import... Why? Because the darkness they're in, the sin they're cursed with, stops that flow of divine creativity. But where there is eternal life, and most of that has been, now it's been changing in Western cultures, Amen. That's where the technology is coming from. That's where the medical advancements are coming from. From people who have received eternal life. You know, the one who invented the uh, stationary orbit satellite the first time. You know what that is? The earth is spinning, right? And you want a satellite that will spin with, that will orbit with, in, so that it's basically in the same spot. Stationary orbit. You know who invented that? A born again, spirit filled Christian that had a vision for worldwide evangelism through TV. See what I mean? Someone who's born again. Now Satan takes the knowledge once it's out there and put it in the hands of corrupt men and they do evil things with it. Amen. So there is this impassable gulf between sinful man and a holy God and the only way... So man's not making progress. Every man needs a Savior. So let's, let's close with one more scripture in Romans chapter 5. Oh, you getting some help? I mean, I know I'm nothing and nobody, but in my humble opinion, churches need to make a, some sort of avenue in their churches where doctrine is taught. What do we believe? What does the Bible say? Why do we believe it? Who goes to heaven? Who goes to hell and why? You need to know the answer to those, right? I need to know. People need to know the answer. We, the Bible says we should be able to be ready to give a reasonable defense to people for what we believe. See, this is why God's not mad. He's not mad at the homosexual or the fornicator or the thief or the liar. Or the, the, the lawbreaker, he knows they're lost in sin. He just needs them to accept the remedy, the fix for it. And they have to repent, acknowledge their condition, and exercise faith in Jesus. And this is the foundation of Christianity. You take this away, we're not Christians. We're just a group talking about self-help. So in Romans chapter 5, and I'm closing, notice this, therefore being, 
See, it's not going to happen to you sometime. Therefore, being justified, how? By faith. We have what? We have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the t-shirt, that's where they get the t-shirt. No Jesus, no peace. That's where that comes from. Amen? Being justified by faith. So when you die and you, you stand at Peter's pearly gate, you say, let me in, let me in. And Peter says, why? And you say, I tried really hard. He's, you're going to be escorted to the hot place. But if you say, Peter, Peter, let me in. He says, why? He says, I have faith in Jesus Christ. Come on in, honey. You're a member of the family. You've been justified in the eyes of God. Because you gave your life to the one that paid the price and the only one that could. Because he himself was without sin. See, I can't die for Sybil. You see the problem with me dying for Sybil? Who's going to die for me? Oh, Amber steps up and goes, well, I'll die for, I'll die for him. Who's going to die for Amber? And so faith goes, well, I'll die for mom. Who's going to die for faith? And Dakota goes, I'll die for faith. Who's going to die for Dakota? And dad goes, I'll die for Dakota. Who's going to die for dad? Angie's going to die for, for Dakota. But who's going to die for Angie? And nobody steps up. That's where it ends. Because we have to end the sermon. <laughs> Somebody had to be the recipient of that sad tale. Who's going to do it? Buddha didn't do it. Muhammad didn't do it. Who's going to do it? Only one. The sinless, spotless, Adamless. That's why you got to believe in the virgin birth, my brother. He could use Mary, but Adam's contribution, the seed, the sperm, would taint. That's what taints the human family, the sin that's in man's, right? It's a spiritual part of that. So he bypassed. He took Mary, took her egg, took her womb, but the Holy Ghost provided the sperm. So he's fully man. But he's not an Adam man. Which means he doesn't have his own sin to pay for. Which means, sweetheart, he could pay for yours. Aren't you glad? Come on, he did. Question is, as we close, do you have faith in him? Have you given your life to him? See, the one that God has justified is treated now as righteous before God, whether they are or not. It provides legal standing with the Father. You know, lawsuits get thrown out, not because of the merit of the lawsuit, but because they don't have standing. We have standing with God. We have acceptance with God. We have a status conferred on us by God through the redeeming work of Christ. We have been put in the right with God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So let's do this different today. With every head up, every eye open. What about you? What about you? Amen? 
I know that the vast majority of us are born again. But just perhaps, is there anybody in here that says, I need to exercise my faith in Jesus so that God can declare over me that they are pardoned and that they're justified in my sight. Anybody in here want to do that? There's nothing to be ashamed about. You ought to be able to just proudly raise up your hand and say that because we're all humans and we're all in this boat together. How about you out there online? How about you watching later? Have you exercised faith in Jesus? Or have you been caught in the lie of trying to justify yourself before God and in your own mind through whatever? Are you right with God? Have you been declared right with God? Only one way to do it. Faith in Jesus. Only way. So you're telling me everyone in this room has been declared on your manila folder. God has something better than manila probably, but on your manila folder in heaven, He opens your file. You have been declared justified in God's sight because there was a day in your life you remember and you have today a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're telling me that all of us in this room Well, praise God. If you're out there, you need to exercise your faith in Jesus by saying, I'm a sinner. I repent. I need help. Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died for me. You were raised from the dead, conquered death, hell, and the grave. You have to confess with your mouth, my friend, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead for you. Give your life to Him. Say it. Exercise your faith in Him. And you will be declared right before God. You'll also have eternal life imparted to you. Your nature will change. And now you'll love what you used to hate. You'll count precious what you used to mock and make fun of. Amen. Well, let's all stand to our feet, WHC. And I want to leave you today with this challenge. I'm so grateful.